I'm Troy Washington from KTBS 3 and we welcome you to Education Checkup. We look forward to sharing the positives and the challenges of our local schools. We will talk with education leaders, teachers, and community leaders letting our community know what is happening and talking about ideas to share between schools and our community. We will have new episodes every Monday and you can find KTBS Education Checkup wherever you listen to podcasts. Let me introduce my co-host, Dr. Philip Roseman. Dr. Roseman, we've been doing this for a while now. We know firsthand that you're very passionate about education and the American dream, so you take it from here. Well, let me just thank you first, Troy, for what you're doing and KTBS3 is doing with Education Checkup because we're able to highlight some of the things that are going on in our schools, some of the challenges that our schools have, and I think it's been a, a, a great adventure. Uh, we learned a lot along the way. We're gonna learn a lot today. Uh, we have two guests here uh, that have dedicated their life to education. Uh, we have K Casey Monero, who was a principal at uh, university for many years, uh, and now has a new job, uh, child well-being specialist, and we're gonna talk a little bit about that. Uh, and Renita Mahoney, uh, long time in education, 27 years, uh, you look younger than that. Uh, you're a former principal and uh, I think a licensed counselor and supervise all the counselors in Caddo Parish, which must be a tremendous job. But thank y'all both for taking your time to come out to talk with us and talk with the community about this, this area of student wellness uh, and dealing with trauma, uh, which I think our kids do uh, uh, a, a quite a lot uh, you know, in, in their life. So, let me just start, uh, uh, Casey, with uh, talking a little bit about your new job, sure. Child Wellbeing Specialist. Could you, uh, this is new, it's right. a new position right. uh, after your years of uh, university. Tell me a little bit about it and what you see in it and, and why it was proposed to, to have this position. Um, well, okay, um, a couple of reasons why we need this position in schools. Um, we're trying to have a more proactive approach to um, children in general um, with their health and well-being. Right now we see an uptick in violence, we see adolescents um, involved in crime more, and we're trying to get on the pre preventative side of that, the proactive side of things. And so my job has a few different big components. Um, one being the climate and culture of schools, which I think we're gonna get into a little bit more, um, which is mainly like when you walk into a school, how does it feel? Does it feel like a place where you wanna be, where you wanna go there? Um, also the SEL program, which is social emotional learning, um, making sure that kids are being taught how to treat one another, how to act in a, a situation of conflict. Can you deal with conflict kindly? Um, and, and giving them those tools. Um, and then there's a component of my job that's about the community and how community can support schools and what they can do to help with those things and prevent some of the violence. Um, and then uh, we just wanna make sure that we're putting all those things together and, and making it a whole child situation. Um, one of the other big pieces is trauma-informed um, 
practices, making sure that we're meeting the needs of kids who may come from very hard places and have had very hard times. And how do we respond to them? How do all the people involved with that child respond to them? It's no longer just about teaching math and, and ELA and those kind of things. We've got to make sure that the kids are even able to be present and focus on those type of things. And if they've got a lot that they're bringing with them, which we know most of them do these days, we've got to make sure that we're giving them the things that they need to handle that. Yeah, well, you know, when uh, that's exactly you know you look at it and you look around as I know in healthcare, I think education the same. We can just put a five-letter word, COVID, C-O-V-I-D, and <laughs> say that the, the world right. has changed. Yeah. Yes. And Absolutely. The, and the well-being of students has been turned up on upside down. Upside down. Definitely. You know, sure. um, so that certainly is is I think one of the reasons we're going to have to pay attention to this thing. Uh, do um, what issues do we need to concentrate on coming off COVID uh, and where we see the, uh, uh, society going? What are the things that we need to concentrate on as far as improving the well-being of our kids? Number one is relationships, building relationships with children, listening to children, connecting with them, making eye contact, having meaningful conversation. COVID kind of wrecked that in some ways because we went to a lot of online learning where we were disconnected. And then also, if you just think about technology in general, a lot of people kind of, out of whatever reason, kind of went to their phones or their computers and stopped interacting as much as they did before. And so we're seeing a lot of kids come to school. Some don't even know how to speak or they're just not speaking. They're not interacting. They don't know how to interact. Social skills are gone. So we've got to get back to really interacting with children and listening to them. So I would say relationships and building those are the most important thing. What do you think? Oh, Go ahead. Sorry. <laughs> I was going to say, Ms. Mahoney, if you can just piggyback off of what she was saying about the trauma and the whole child, because we've been hearing a lot that it's not just how well the child does in the classroom, but what they're dealing with maybe internally. That is correct. Um, not only the children, but the teachers as well. Um, at one point, we had one high school that lost over 20 students in a year's time through trauma. So with that, that only not only affects those families, but it affects the culture and climate on that particular campus. As a result of that, we took the time to build a calming room um, because teachers are leaving the profession every day and we wanted to give the campus an opportunity to have a calm spot that if they're having a difficult day or needed some quiet time so that they can finish the remainder of the day, we've put that in place for that particular campus and it has worked wonders just knowing that they have a place that they can go and relax and rejuvenate to go back to work. What are we doing um, as it relates to this, in, you know, before the uh, in elementary school and y'all's work as principals, uh, and now coming off of a time when kids were not really seeing each other and there was no real contact, uh, what, ca what can we do, uh, what can a school do to try to, to build that communication again? We lost so much with what happened in COVID. And I'll go a step further. Tell me about the kindergartners and the first graders and the second graders and what you can do to kind of catch up uh, on that loss. Yeah, I would say a lot of that is talking to them, communicating and having conversations with them, getting back to the sitting down at the dinner table and eating together and having conversations. How was your day? What did you do today in school? And, and bringing it farther than that, how do you feel today? 
you know, getting into the feelings um, side of things, but disconnecting from electronics. Yes, absolutely, absolutely. <laughs> totally disconnecting. <laughs> I knew you wanted to say something. That was good. Yes. That was a good. Not story. only just disconnecting from <laughs> yeah. electronics, yeah. but also um, making sure you check in on the children. You know, a lot of kids will go, they'll go in their room, they'll close the door to mm -hmm. play a video game. Check in on those kids. Right. Leave those doors open. Check on, check their phones, check their social media accounts, check what's going on in their lives. Some say, oh, well, that's kind of private. They live in your house. They live in your room. Check on for it. Yes, definitely check on Get a monitoring system or do not let them have Facebook or Look at some things that they like doing. Get them involved in some sports. Get them out of those rooms, off those cellular devices, and get them back active. Absolutely. I want to talk with both of you about this term social emotional learning. I hear a lot about that uh, and we kind of move toward really paying attention to those that part of people's lives. Can you tell us about what social emotional learning is for those of us who, who are not in education and then why it's such an important issue? She start, give start. Now. Okay, so with, with social emotional learning it looks at the whole person, how you feel, how you think, um, what's going on in your life. It's the ability to um, be able to connect with you both mentally and physically. Taking care of your basic needs in order for you to be productive, whether it's on a job, whether it's in the classroom, it's taking care of the whole person. It's giving you some coping skills, it's giving you some things, some tools to use to be more productive, being respectful, trustworthy, things that we take for granted that some children may not even really understand. It's taking the time out to put those tools in place to help them be more productive and communicate a lot better. And I'll piggyback off of that and just say that where it's gotten kind of a bad rap is when it's put in isolation and it's a buzzword like, oh, we're doing social emotional learning. We're doing this one lesson a day that is about um, you know, dealing with conflict kindly or bullying or not, you know, treating people nicely, that kind of thing, and not going out through the entire school day or through the entire school and making it something that is part of their culture. When you teach it in isolation, it is not going to have the same effect um, because let's say you're teaching this lesson about how to treat each other kindly and then you turn around and, and the cafeteria lady isn't nice or the, the principal isn't nice or isn't do, treating others kindly. You see what I'm getting at? Yeah. It's like it has to be infused into the whole school all the time and it has to be a very intentional act of caring about everyone they're coming in contact with and modeling that for children because they're not necessarily getting that model at their homes. I love how y'all describe that because uh, mm -hmm. that's beyond, you know, it's almost like my day of character education on steroids. Right. That's it's exactly, exactly right. right. <laughs> Everybody's acting on what they're learning, including showing it. Teachers are showing it. Cafeteria workers are showing it. Absolutely. It's about the whole school the culture. Whole school. It is. So that really, that's, that's uh, uh, really, that's fantastic that we're able to, to, so how do you do that now? I mean, we're this is part out. of your role, <laughs> That is right? part of my role. <laughs> so, uh, one thing that we're doing, we have a new program right. that we, um, we've launched for K-8, which is Rethink. Um, but taking that, it's not in isolation, we're using it across the board. We're using it with positive behavior. We're using it with discipline. We're using it in the classroom, in the hallways. It's gonna be part of your everyday language. So as Casey said earlier, it's not in isolation. It's just something that you're learning to do every day in everything that you do. If you're walking down the hallway, you know, 
walk quietly, don't touch others, you know? So you'll automatically know that nobody would have to say, hey, that's social emotional learning. You automatically know that something that you learn is to be respectful for someone else's time and space. And I would also say that we're doing things like focusing on the whole climate of the school um, with positive behavior intervention supports, which is called PBIS for like for um, educational jargon, but it means that we're being intentional about that climate. The principal on down is expecting, the expectation is my teachers are going to speak in a certain way to children. My uh, you know, workers, anybody that's at my school is going to speak in a certain way to children and we're not going to um, allow that other type of talk or that um, to go on. So that, that's another piece of it um, that we're getting there, but we ha that has a lot to do with um, intentionally changing and reframing your language because a lot of us grew up in very punitive um, environments like you know we grew up with the belt or we grew up with the yelling or we grew up with you know different ways that we were addressed as children and we've got to kind of undo some of that um, in our teachers and in our educators to you know they come from some really hard places maybe that's not the best approach to use with this child that's already been through a whole lot so getting that shift to take place is, I mean, we know we're not quite there yet, and I don't think anyone is, but no, I mean, <laughs> working on it. It's a huge issue. I mean, this is about potentially changing the culture that we live in, and mm -hmm. the next generation and what they're living in. Uh, and uh, uh, certainly something that I think for a while we got completely away from. We did. Uh, because we, did. we, we did. didn't, we thought we couldn't teach about values and we couldn't teach about that and that was going to somehow offend somebody but right. this is about incorporating these values that we've had as a as a country and as a, a people uh, and a morality that's inside us yes so and really it just boils down to caring yeah. it really that is the number one thing is if you care about the child and you you want them to feel that and you want to make sure they know you care and if everybody could just show that they care in every word that they say it will work, but it has to be a, you have to think it. You have to say, oh, Almost has to be in that fabric. Yes. 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 Because a child knows when a teacher oh, doesn't yeah. truly care about them. I always told my teachers as a principal, you don't have to be their friend, but you've got to show them that you like them. They've got to feel that you like them, and they will run through walls for you. They've Children got don't to learn feel that. from people they don't like. Yes. <laughs> that well, don't like them. It's but, almost like um, having that point of life where treat others the way you want to be treated on steroids. That's right. kind of what social emotional is learning. Yes. Yeah. Well, let's, let's talk about an issue that I think a lot of people uh, are concerned about and worry about. And, and I've seen, even in my life, this issue of bullying. Mm -hmm. um, I mean, it is and so detrimental. Yes. And, and, uh, and socially, so, uh, social, <laughs> yeah. social media, media. is media. at its high peak with cyberbullying. So many kids turn to social, social media for for guidance, for information, for understanding, but it's used as a tool because now a lot of kids cannot get to other kids because of transportation, of course, and they start the invitation on social media so they can get the conversation going on social media and that's when it gets out of hand. But by the time it gets out of hand, it has made it to a campus. So the acts don't necessarily happen on campus. It happens on social media, and they bring it to campus. And it plays out it on, plays the out <laughs> on campus. That is true. The results of it. On that campus. is true. Um, another thing with bullying that we see is the um, inequality issues of like equity across the board. You know, kids from poverty or kids who come from places where they may not have um, the Nike tennis shoes, or they may not have the um, the 
jacket that's from the latest, you know, thing. Those kids sometimes get, um, they have feelings of shame or feelings of inadequacy, and um, the kids will go online and say something about, did you see so-and-so's shoes today, or did you see, you know, this kid's, that kind of thing. And that it creates a, I don't want to go to school, I don't want to be at school because I don't want them to see me right. in this, this clothing that's not acceptable. And we have fixed some of that with uniforms, and that helps to have the uniforms, but there's still... Just some thing, you know. Sometimes just kids' hair. They they don't have the money to get their hair done, or they don't have um, the money to to do some things that we take for granted sometimes. And it does play out in social media, and then comes back around to where we have a huge truancy problem. We have a huge attendance problem because kids don't want to come to school and get made fun of. That's the worst. So how do you guys fight back against those new tools that? You know, they've developed within, uh, social media has only been around the last few decades. So one of the things we do is try to keep um, the students informed. We try to keep parents informed. We try to make sure that parents check in on those social media accounts. Um, a lot, oftentimes you'll have kids who will turn other kids in because they've seen something on mm -hmm. social media. Now with the community coming aboard and we're coming together as team, community teams, we've got the police department also that have someone looking at social media pages. And if they see something inappropriate with underage children, they may send it to our district to say, hey, do you recognize these kids to try to get a hand on something that has been posted on social media? And the other piece of that that I would say is really important is active supervision. And active supervision just means as a parent or as a teacher or as any right. employee that works anywhere near children, you're listening to what they're talking about. And you're paying attention to when they say, oh, I heard that so-and-so on social media, this, that. You're paying attention to that and you're inserting yourself in that conversation. Now, what happened on social media? What are you talking about? Get into it so that you can be a part of the solution with that child. Hey, you know, this doesn't sound like it's it's a good thing. Let's try to talk to their mom or let's try to talk to their teacher or help them out or, or whatever like that. You know, just paying attention to what the kids are saying. And our district now has a platform that any child that's logged on to a district device, whether they're at home or not, we get an alert if certain words come up, suicide, suicide. guns, no. death. Mm -hmm. We get an alert to make a phone call to find out what's going on with that particular kid, whether it's during the school day or whether it's at night. We get a light speed notice so that we can check in based on what that child has typed in um, the search bar. Let me ask you something that always been a concern of mine, you know, in the area of counseling, how oftentimes we use school counselors not to do counseling <laughs> and uh, doing other things. Are we moving forward on seeing all that's playing out in the culture and all that's playing out at schools and all that's going on post-COVID? Are we moving to a, a day when, when, when we use counselors as counselors to take care of the kids' needs and the teachers' needs? Uh, or what do we need to do different? No matter what's going on in a building, what a counselor is doing, the kid comes first. That's so if they have to put all paperwork aside, there's a crisis or a child in need, that child comes first, always. So let's talk about adverse childhood experiences. I think that's something that uh, y'all brought up in, in, in your communication mm -hmm. time. Um, um, oftentimes when um, a child has experienced ACEs and those issues have never been addressed. They grow up with these issues and it becomes a more traumatic situation because now they don't have the tools in order to deal with them. So what we try to do is build resilience. You pretty much thrive, adapt, 
and cope with it. We're not trying to say you'll ever get over it, but we want to be able to give you some tools to get through it to be productive. So the goal of building resilience helps with the ACEs that are at hand. Like they get coping skills, you know, give them the tools in their toolbox they need to be able to handle when they didn't make the soccer goal, when they didn't get the A on the test, you know, instead of just falling apart, they have some things like, oh, I need to take a deep breath. I need to count to 10. I need to go hit a tree and just beat it up you know, or whatever. I might need to run a mile around the block. Um, give them some of those tools that might help them better deal with um, failures or problems or things that arise because they've had some really hard times in their life, they may have a harder time dealing with the bad things that happen subsequently. And not just teach them, but show them, yeah. model yeah. how it needs, how it looks. So for people who may be listening or watching, mm -hmm. explain what ACEs, well, so, what it is exactly. Okay. Adverse childhood experiences. It could be you from a divorced home. It could be drug use. It could be physical abuse. It could be sexual abuse. A parent in jail. Yes. A parent that Anything away from what a normal, what we call normal Typical. household mm -hmm. would look like. Um, you may have lost your parents at an early age. Um, you may have been placed with your grandparents. You may have been um, sexual assaulted as a child. So there are just so many different areas where you may be able to fall, where you've had traumatic experiences that have never been addressed. And then we can't forget about the teachers who also may have had those things happen to them as a child and they're still carrying them into whatever they're doing and they're trying to help children but then their own trauma is hindering them from helping children sometimes. So they need the coping skills and they need the resilience built up. Right. So it's a twofold job. Yeah, with the, with the fostering of resilience, is, it's the thought process, how it all connects, not only in counseling, but how it c connects in child well-being, uh, child well-being. And is that part of the integration into social and emotional learning and all the things that we're it doing? All it all works together. together right? It all works together mm -hmm. in order to put some tools in their toolbox. Let's look at what the issues are at hand. Let's look at some possible things that we can do to help you. Show them what it looks like practice with them so that they can go and be better people. We want to make sure that we have what they need. There is no prescriptive for any one person because everybody's situation is different. Is there any place or any place within the school system where if a teacher has had either current problems or adverse childhood experiences that they're having trouble getting over with or difficulty dealing with that they can be given help? Uh, yeah. outside yes, of the yes. school system. We have um, the um, IAP, which is our employment assistant program that they can go to. It's confidential. Um, they make referrals if they need additional referrals, and they help support the teachers and staffs in our district. And also, the State Department of Louisiana, through LDOE, has a free program with additional services that are free to um, employees in the school systems. We, you talked a little bit uh, before this, we talked about building a coordinated approach. And, you know, not one person can do this all. No. Uh, so no. how, how are we building a coordinated approach where we live here? In, okay, in so one thing, um, being a former principal, you never knew when a child had a traumatic situation and they showed up at school the next day. So one of the things that um, is coming to the table is what's called Handle with Love. It's an integrated approach with the police department, the fire department, 
the other agencies in our surrounding area, and the school system. If a child um, has a traumatic experience, police are called out or the um, fire department is called out, dispatch is going to send me an email to let me know that these children have been involved in a traumatic situation, these are the schools that they go to, and this is the bottom information. They're not gonna detail the traumatic information, but they're gonna let me know that they've experienced something that night, and I am going to make a phone call to those school counselors so they can be the first line of contact that they see once they reach the campus. Not to question them, but simply to check in on their well-being once they make it to campus. That's one of the things as the community approach that's coming down the line that should be in place in the next 45 days. There's also a, whole, a lot of other, a myriad of community helpers that are coming into schools now that we're kind of backing off from COVID and we can get back in our schools and the volunteers are coming back. And, um, and also the community help such as VOA and the Volunteers for Youth Justice. Um, we're seeing pilot programs that they're implementing in schools that are more wraparound services for children, which really helps strengthen everything we're doing for mental health and, and well-being. So they're coming back in, which is great. We have the CIS program with, it's called Community in Schools with VOA, and now VYJ has um, a pilot program at University Elementary that is a wraparound program, and, and it's supposed to expand to other schools too. Let's, um, let's talk about mental health a little bit, as you just talked about. Um, different generations kind of have a different viewpoint mm -hmm. on uh, mental health. That's true. Because my generation has the viewpoint on mental health and then the millennial generation has another viewpoint on mental health. Talk first to my generation, okay, uh, older folks, uh, <laughs> about uh, mental health and, and what we need to know and how we need to change our view. My dad would say it's a bunch of hooey. Is what he would have said. I think but probably your generation not. were more of what goes on in our house stays in our house. Mm -hmm. You don't need to go keep talk to anyone about your it. problem. We're going to pray about it. We're going to you know, keep that within our house. I think that's kind of maybe your generation. Mm -hmm. <laughs> um, Hold it with, all in, bottle with, it up. With COVID, and as we move out of COVID, more people began to see the pressure that it actually put on one's person, um, the isolation, not being able to do the things that they were doing, how it took a toll on their body, on their mind, and more people now are seeking out mental health. They're not looking at it as a stigma, more so that they did 25 years ago, they're looking at more support to try to make it through some of the things that they've been through since uh, 2019. And then with the new generation, we're trying to teach them at a very young age through social emotional learning components that feeling is okay. What are you feeling? It's okay to feel angry. It's okay to feel sad. It's okay to feel mad. It's what we do with it that matters, right. but it's okay to talk about it. Right. And I think, you know, previous generations, it was not really okay to talk about it. It was like, everything's okay, mm -hmm. just keep on going. As for my generation, <laughs> we believe in counseling. <laughs> and if you've noticed, I feel like a lot of those ones, I mean, when I say my generation, I'm in that late 20s, early 30s, mid 30s, we're kind of in a place where we understand that counseling doesn't make you weak. Right. It means you're aware and you're working to heal. 
Right. That is correct. Absolutely. So that is correct. So that's the newer generation's thought <laughs> on it. <laughs> and, and we're we're pathologic in my generation, but we just say we're on resonance on steroids. Yeah. So uh, uh, we just yeah. bottle it up. You just know. Bottle it up. Uh, I, I think yeah. a lot but of people good at being strong. They, they, they kept it in more than mm -hmm. they they withheld it until something happened, and then they'd explode it, and mm -hmm. it's like it just all came out. Mm -hmm. Where now you're able to go and get help feel comfortable about getting help and getting the things that you need in order to be it's more productive. It's just not as taboo, is it? Right. It is. Right. That is correct. And the you know, there's always kind of progress as the right. years go on. And <laughs> yes. hopefully, I have a three-year-old, so I'm hoping that by the time she's older, she's like, you know, counseling is good, you know, because yes. that's what we're instilling right. in the younger uh, Building better relationships. Okay to go talk to oh, someone yes. about how Teaching yes, them definitely. early. Definitely. Uh, and we're going to have to work on training some more people to do mental health professionals. Oh, yes. We are going to work on We're going to do all that. Yeah. Yes, because you know, we definitely have a shortage We have right a shortage. Right There's no doubt about that. Mm -hmm. uh, we've talked a little bit, uh, really a lot, uh, in this conversation has been about school culture. and and what a positive school culture is and how, how we're changing kind of an, a, a viewpoint and trying to make it better uh, than it's ever been before, even in very tough times. Mm -hmm. So what I want you to do, think about uh, uh, in this regard is, what, what do you see as a positive, is a positive school culture, a vision of a positive school culture? And then what do we need to do to try to get there in as many schools, if not all the schools, you know, in our country. I'd say with a loving and safe environment. When you walk into a school, if you feel that loving and safe environment, you see the kids are smiling, they're happy to be there, uh, people, the teachers are happy to be there. You can feel it. Um, and, and to get there, again, it has to be intentional. It has to be intentional words you're using, and it has to be about caring. If you no longer care about the children that you're teaching, or if you don't feel like you care, or you're not saying the right things that show that you care about them, it is not going to be a positive environment and a positive school culture. And it has to be everyone in the building kind of following that lead. So, I mean, that's, that's the number one thing. To get there, it has to be, it has to start from the top. It has to be the leadership that are all in, setting those expectations. This is the way that our school is gonna be. We're gonna lead it with love. We're gonna lead it with kindness. We're gonna lead it with caring. And we're not gonna accept anything else. Um, and that's- You model. Modeling. You model mm -hmm. what you want it to look like. You, as the head of that building, you model what you want it to look like. If you walked into that building, the first thing, you should feel warmth. You should feel welcome. Um, to be clean. Um, yeah, the building if, itself. If there's something that you need, <laughs> helps you. your administrator should be able to provide that. If it if it needs for teaching, that's what that's what you should be able to get. So it definitely starts at the top and by modeling what it is that you want it to be. That respectful culture it starts at the very top. And I would say also that it is very important that the teachers feel that they're cared about and all of the employees, from the cafeteria worker to the, the custodians, right. everyone must feel like a part of that family um, and a part of that culture of caring because if you are isolating right. any group of people or any um, person and you're not bringing them into that fold of we all care, um, that is gonna backfire on you and on the kids. We're family. Yeah. Yeah, it's hard to learn from somebody who doesn't care uh, whether you learn it or not. Right. The children and, know it. They and they, feel it. they will not. They yeah, will not. No placeholders. No. We need people who are passionate. They mm -hmm. want to be here. Right. They want to learn and address those things and embrace the whole child. Correct. It's That's not. It. It's not all academics. It is the whole child. Absolutely not. It's the whole child. Because if the basic needs are met, you cannot expect that child to come back with homework if his basic needs are not met. Mm -hmm. Yes. 
Listen, this has been a great conversation. Troy, I'd have to say that we learned a whole lot uh, today about what you told us, and I think the people that are watching uh, are going to uh, a real treat to hear what you had to say. So thank you what y'all do every day, how much you care uh, about you uh, the us. children in this community, uh, and uh, know that we're with you, uh, uh, and uh, uh, only want the best. So thank you very much for what you And thank, thank you, you for thank having you us. Thank you for having us. Thank you. Well, that was a joy. We will have new episodes every Monday, and you can find KTBS Education Checkup wherever you listen to podcasts.